ironically, we didn't have any infrastructure for this show. No, none at all. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> That's really funny. Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high-performance results in your business. Hey there, listener. Welcome back to another episode of Think, Act, Get. Ezra Firestone here with my partner, as always, James Ramco. James, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing so, so good. I'm sitting here in the Gecko Lounge on the north shore of Oahu, Hawaii, which is the part of the commune over here in Hawaii. We actually have two houses, one, both of them uh, across the street from one another. And this is where I grew up. It's where I went to high school. And the Gecko Lounge is this little concrete brick building out front of the house that has like a pool table where my cousin and I, who's here with me, have spent many a late night playing pool on a wet, soggy pool board and making midnight runs to Jack in the Box to get chicken sandwiches and all the other kind of madness that you do in high school. I remember the Gecko Lounge. In fact, now with my renewed uh, interest in surfing, I'd love to check out some of those boards stacked up in the rafters. I remember there were some exotics there. I'm sure they're probably very interesting. Yeah, we've got a um, – hey, what's the name of this board, Jeff? The, uh, these boards, are they like a something special, this one up here? Oh, um, you're kidding. Uh, Herbie Fletcher. We got a Herbie Fletcher, uh, original, an original Herbie Fletcher that he actually rode apparently. Chris uh, Chris Boss. I don't know. You <laughs> can careful. have some of these boards, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I'll come and check it if out. You I am seeing a gecko in the gecko <laughs> lounge, which is not that unsurprising. Is it? Yeah, we'll use that as the picture for this episode. It's a good yeah. idea. Okay, so um, – yeah, you're doing the whole uh, Hawaii tropical thing. Um, of course, it's winter there, but it's very summer-like, I imagine. The waves are big today, man. They're 40 feet down at Waimea. There's people out there. It's madness. The energy. I've seen the pictures on, on all the surf sites, yeah. It's weird because I'm actually, you know, I grew up on Hawaii, but I never lived on the beach, you know, and I'm, and Carrie and I rented this house literally like right on the water. You walk out the front door and you're at the beach and the energy of the ocean crashing throughout the night is, it's really intense. Yeah, it's, it's huge. That was the first big wave surfed that Waimea Bay by Greg Knoll. And, um, that sort of was the first frontier into big wave surfing. And he used to have, he was called, Greg the Bull, and uh, he had Egg the bull. black and white striped shorts. Wow. So this is an interesting episode, number 62. Yeah, baby. What are we talking about? Well, today we're talking about infrastructure. And basically everything that I know about infrastructure, I learned from you. I don't know about that because you know, it depends on, on how you define infrastructure. Sure. there's different sure. types of infrastructure. That's a good point. Well, it, you know, specifically with regard to building things, right? If you want to build something, and a lot of the people listening to this episode would like to build a profitable business, then you need a solid foundation, right? Skyscrapers that are built really high up go down into the ground very far. They've got a really solid foundation. And so foundation for the successful business that I have, a lot of that initial knowledge came from you. Of course, we've then done stuff with it and practiced as with anything. Once you get into it, you start doing stuff. But I just thought it was a really great episode because anything that you want in your life, you have to create a solid foundation for, a solid infrastructure for. Another example of that is you have this practice of surfing. And the infrastructure that you have is that you do that practice every day. You consistently put attention in that area and that is how you get good at things. I've recently fallen back in love with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is like a grappling martial art. And I was a white belt 
in Brazilian jiu-jitsu for like 18 years. <laughs> I got my white belt, I think, in like 1997, and I just got my blue belt a couple months ago. Or no, even like this month, actually, I got my blue belt this month. And the reason why I stayed at the level of white belt for essentially my whole life is because I never did it consistently. I never built a foundation and infrastructure of consistent uh, attention on that subject, and so I never progressed. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Did you did you end up progressing? Well, now I have because I've been practicing it for the last six months, three, four times a week, and now I'm getting better, and I'm I'm building that infrastructure of techniques and of of drilling techniques, and I'm you know I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. So when you listed on your acting resume when you were like, <laughs> I didn't think you remembered that fifteen or something. You were, oh yeah. Oh, I remember. I was you know one might have thought you perhaps were like a black belt or a brown belt or something. Well, and judo, right? right. In judo, I'm, I'm very, very good at judo. I did that my whole life. But in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it's a whole other. What'd you go with that? Green belt? In judo, I got all the way to a third degree brown belt. I actually got offered my black belt, but it wasn't by the correct sensei. So I didn't actually take it. But yeah, I, I want to get my oh, judo really? black belt from a specific person. And so I'm still, I still intend to do that at some point in life. Good for you. That's it. I guess I'm, I'm working my way through my belts in the, the surfing. Well, I was thinking about this for you in surfing, and I figured you've got to be a purple belt by now at surfing. <sighs> you know, like uh, with my friends, I'd say I'm a beginner, and they go, come on, you can't call yourself a beginner forever. I, I'm an intermediate now. No, you're definitely not a beginner. I've looked at your pictures, and the thing is you've been consistently training for the last two years now. And so I'd, I'd put you at, at um, you know, essentially intermediate, if not Advanced intermediate. I'm, yeah, I'm an intermediate. No, I'm definitely an intermediate. Yeah, I think you might even be an advanced intermediate. Uh, I reckon some of the some of the indicators would be boat trips, um, daily activity, and um, you know getting to the appropriate size boards for your height and stuff. But I, I think I'm. I would have say I'm somewhere between a beginner intermediate and an intermediate intermediate. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, you would know better than me, but I'm, I'm giving you a lot of love here. But the thing is we'll see. that um, I, I think you're – I mean, I can't <laughs> wait to surf with you. But what I want to talk about actually – I'm going to switch the subject a sec for a second – to buying help. And this is something where I see – it's kind of like what separates the uh, you know flowers from the aloe plants, if you will. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense at all actually. It separates – No, it's a very interesting <laughs> metaphor. It, please explain that one. I'm going to just go ahead and skip right over that. But the the <laughs> – the point here. Are you saying that aloe vera has a commercial value and the flowers are just nice to look at? Or? That's right. That's what I'm saying. No, I actually just threw a random uh, analogy <laughs> that together crazy. that made no sense. And let's just. It's like when your wife was talking about your dexterity with handling pineapples, and I mentioned that you're not too bad with bananas either. Yeah, see, that you know, was well. It was done. a callback to a, <laughs> one of our original episodes where you had a somewhat bizarre confession revolving around bananas. <laughs> Which I, you know, hey man, life is life is funny, and I, I'm not ashamed of my thirty banana a day period. But Ezra is funny. But no, no, listen, this is important because a lot of people struggle at this point. That their businesses either succeed or fail essentially on their ability to effectively buy help. And people will be like, "Yeah, I tried to buy some," and I, I say buying help because that's how I frame it. You are purchasing help for your for your business and people will say that you know the help wasn't any good but what i would say is that your ability to clearly define what the help that you're purchasing should be doing and give them ways to win and hold them accountable is not very good like your you were not able you didn't invest in them enough which is why you failed at buying help not they were terrible yeah there's a few points there i mean firstly there's a pride factor some people won't 
get or buy help at all because they think they have to do it all themselves for some sort of proud reason. And I see some of the, the least successful people that I observe because I'm, you know, I'm surrounded by hundreds of people giving this internet business thing. Thousands, actually. Yeah. Thousands. But I, I mean, I intimately see hundreds, like, you know, <laughs> up to a thousand people. And the ones who fail the most miserably are the ones who refuse to just say, I don't know, you know, can you help me? They're the ones who just want to stubbornly, dogmatically try and figure everything out themselves. They want to invent a wheel. Or like they never stop doing customer service. Like I'll talk to six-figure business owners who still do their own customer service. and I'm like, Customer service doesn't scale if you're the founder trying to do it via your inbox. Right. That is a, that, that's very common. Actually, it's one of, the, one of the biggest first improvements I make with first-time Silver Circle members is get a support mechanism that doesn't involve your email. Yes. But let's go on to that. The other thing you mentioned about inputs, there's this um, garbage in, garbage out type saying. Like you, you put rubbish in, you can't get anything but rubbish out. And, and people generally are not good at instructing or communicating a, a, an instruction to someone who might perform a task or you know, give them a proper brief. I'll give you an example. Uh, recently, uh, my amazing designer who discovered us here at Think at Get, Greg, posted a picture of um, a design that he did and then people were commenting on you know what they would like to see or what what they would do differently and i thought isn't that interesting because they don't even know what the brief was <laughs> right. so how could you even have an opinion on that like, it's great wonderful everything's awesome except if you weren't there at the brief you don't know what you know you can't judge someone unless you know what the inputs were. So I guess the, the bottom line is if you're going to buy help, focus a lot on clarity of input. Make sure that the expectations are set clearly. That uh, And if you want to bring it back to topic about infrastructure, if you're going to build infrastructure, if you're going to build foundations and supports, it's really handy to know what you would like it to look like when you're finished. I mean, if you go to some cities, they have an urban infrastructure of really nicely laid out streets and uh, well-positioned malls and, and munis municipalities. How do you say that? Municipalities. You know, That's why. Yeah, council facilities. They're all sort of structured and laid out because somebody put some thought or planning into the infrastructure. Whereas you go to other places, like really old places, maybe like London or um, some of the earlier places here in Australia, like the rocks, it's just sort of a whatever. They just built whatever and the, the infrastructure wasn't really pre-thought. It just sort of happened and sprawled and then, then it became crazy. Or you end up with cities that are getting washed away because they, you know, nobody paid attention to the fact that they were built in a tornado line or a flood line or whatever, you know? Yeah, exactly. Or uh, in the Maldives, the airport is built on artificial land. They, like, they've filled land to get it, you know, to make an airport. It's crazy. That's, or Dubai, where they're building entire islands. Remind me not to fly there. <laughs> you should fly there. You should be coming to my mastermind and uh, surfing with me in proper waves. That would be really fun, actually. You know, I think that there's some things that, that I've – so I now manage a team of about 30 people. And you, becoming a better leader and manager and delegator has, has been something I put a lot of attention on, something you've helped me with a lot. And what I find is that people just want to win.
And in order to have people feel like they're winning, you need to clearly tell them what you want done and when you want it done by. And then you also need to motivate them and give them access to the things they need to be able to do that job effectively. And so I think the first two positions that you should hire as a new business owner are number one, you tell me if you disagree, but number one, customer service. Do not be doing your own phone and email customer service. It's too easy to outsource your hours as the owner of the business or worth more than that. I think of you as the owner of the business as the fireplace. And I think of your team as the kindling, the newspaper and the wood. And I think of the fire as the outcome. So you're holding the container that oh, poor team. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, they're, they're... So like, let me just try this one. <laughs> the metaphor I like is the, I think of the business more as, as, as a symphony and we've, you know, we attract people to the hall and we delight them with amazing music and I might be the conductor of the orchestra and so I'm not going to give up the strategy or the overall responsibility for the composition. However, I don't want to go and have to play each instrument. I want... I want to hire musicians. I want to have them, you know, the best clarinet player, the best trumpeter, the best percussionist. And then I want to bring them all together and make this beautiful symphony that just, you know, touches the soul. And even at, at, with this metaphor, if we continue it. That is, that is a, I will hand it to you. That is a much better analogy. Nicer than the fire. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. burn your stuff below it. And then, you know, if you get it set up well, which I've been able to do a couple of times now, you can start to train the conductor, you know, the understudy and say, here, look, hold this little thing and start waving it around at, at you know, in time with, with the music and everyone will just follow you and you can mm-hmm. bring up leaders and then you can go and step away and set up another concert hall. So that's, yes. that's a nice metaphor to work with. But in, in terms of what to set up first, I don't disagree one. with you about support. I, I, I like that. Let me, get, let me give mine first. Let me get mine first. Customer support and then platforms, at least for e-commerce business owners. You should not be setting up your own lead pages. You should not be setting up your own ring central. You should not be modifying your pages in Shopify. You need a chief platform officer who deals with all of the technology. Every little app and widget and this and that that you're using in your company should have been at least set up. Of course, you may have to use it on a daily basis depending on what you're doing. But I think the next role is someone who can not necessarily do coding, but handle sort of the technology stack for you which frees you up even more to not be spending sort of busy work time yeah okay so i agree with you however i'm willing to bet you probably did all your website stuff in the beginning and the in the beginning big yeah but is ezra that's great you're a multi-squillionaire e-commerce gun you can hire whoever you want but i'm just starting out i've got no money and and so i'm gonna have to do this stuff myself how do you address that well, I, this is this is the point where so it's like when you're starting out, of course you do everything yourself, right? You know, you're a, you're a do-it-yourself entrepreneur. You're building the business from scratch. When you have eight hundred bucks a month, or maybe even less, let's say you're buying twenty hours a week of help at, you know, twenty hours a week of help at at fifteen bucks an hour or whatever. So you've got a couple hundred bucks that you can spend. You can buy help. You're going to buy customer service. The next help that you can afford to buy, I'm saying, should be someone to help you with technology. Yeah, and so and what my uh, point here is. The single most important thing to focus on is that very first offer that converts, finding that thing that you can get people to pay you for so that you can start yes. playing the game. Uh, that, that's, that is really like on the Monopoly board. It's like going past Go and collecting your $200. If you 
can't have that, you're not going to be able to buy the properties. You're not going to be able to buy the buildings and the hotels and you're not going to be, you know, you won't win the game. For sure. I, it's a given that you must need to be able to sell stuff, right? You, gotta have yeah, but you know what? People forget that. I've seen people for years dicking around with websites and looking at all the latest, greatest tools and webinars and softwares and courses and trainings. They've done it all. The only thing they don't have is an offer that converts. Something to sell. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, don't, you, don't you think that's amazing? I Mind-boggling. Something that you and I would think is the most obvious thing possible. And, and if I go back, I, I'd love you to share your story in a second. But for me, when I found my offer that converts, it was affiliate promotion of a particular piece of software mm. that helped people build a website. When I got that, that is when I hired support uh, because I was able to do the logic. I was able to say, well, you know, I get five people a day claiming my bonus. I get $100 per uh, sale. So it's $500 a day. But I think back then actually it was forty nine twenty five. Let's say it was $250 a day that I'm earning from this business model and I could pay someone $1,000 a month to log in every day and manage five tickets, just five tickets. And I could work it out, well, over a month, 250 times 30, less 1,000. I'm still ahead and now I don't have to log into the support desk ever and I can focus on other stuff. And then I, as I'm writing articles for easy and articles, I'm – and and uh, in the in by day chatting with the fabulously talented receptionist we had at the Mercedes dealership, I was thinking maybe she could do these articles instead of me because she types so well, she writes really well, and I talked to her about it and she said, yeah, I'll do that, and uh, and turns out she started her own article writing business and to this day is extremely successful and moved up to the coast and you you probably know Kerry. But, oh, wow. Uh, that's how it started. It was finding that offer that convert. That funded everything. It funded the article writer. It funded the support desk. It's actually putting value back into the world because when you become an employer, you're now paying taxes. You are responsible for other people's income and they go and put that back into society. They purchase things and consume. They, they support their local food retailers and they support their local accountants and doctors and lawyers and all the other things so we're actually creating value so it's not only nice to do it's it is a good it's good for the ego too right like it's an, it's nice like our, our our team salary is in the multi tens of thousands per month and that feels good you know so it feels good to be able to you know have your business support people i used to think all the people surfing were just dole bludgers i don't know if you have that expression but it's no what's um, a what's a dole bludger in Australia, we just pay people to do nothing. Uh, if they don't want to work, we just pay them and they just get share houses and smoke pot and surf. And then you then you made friends with all the dull bludgers and now you like them? <laughs> but now I realize a lot of them are like me. They have their own business they've, you know, or they're photographers or they're artists. Or, yeah, we get into trouble when we generalize anyone. You can't. But in any, any case, I, I know that uh, I've supported a lot of people who are on welfare. Sure. Sure. What's the tax rate over there? Are you paying something like 30%? Oh, it's one of the highest in the world. It's like 50%. It's wow. 50%. No way. And combine that with the most expensive place to live in the world, maybe outside of New York or Paris or, or London. Wow. And you've got a, a double combo. But I, I've said this. If you can make it in Sydney, then you're going to you do fine anywhere. anywhere. And, that, and that's, that's my little side shot for people who want to escape that particular infrastructure of expensive city and expensive tax and they go to Asia. This is a very common one. 
I'll, I'll just go to Asia where everything's cheap. And then they start getting this cheap mindset. I'm going to hire people who are cheap and I'm going to sell things that are cheaper. I think that's a horrible way to live, dude. Oh, but they, they end up so far off track, they can't get back in the system. Like everything seems expensive now. When you start, when you've been paying, you know, 20 cents for a beer and you're hiring people for a couple hundred dollars a month, when you go back to, to mainstream, yeah, but do you want to live in a country where none of your friends and family are, oh. like where you don't actually understand the culture really, really, you know, like be just so you can pay an extra 20% less in taxes? That's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Compromise. Do you know there are entire communities of this? I think it's just, I mean, my viewpoint on that, hey, man. I'm watching them mature and grow up and guess what? They're starting to move out. They're heading off to, to you know, the poorer parts of Europe or whatever. They're, they're upgrading now. Their infrastructure's moving up a notch. But, but I prefer yeah. not. I, I don't want to say that the way that I'm doing is necessarily better than anyone else. Like, hey, if that's the way you're doing it and that works for you, then right on. But I think that making life decisions based on cheaper taxes seems like a really misguided decision. It's a false economy. So um, let's talk about infrastructure for a sec, just to put 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 something here. Um, by the way, Ezra, what was your first offer that converts? Wasn't it some bizarro e-commerce product, like some mustache or something? It was. Well, I mean, <laughs> the first offer that I really got to convert was a life coaching ebook teaching people how to build a life coaching businesses. Business run by a guy out of Cessnock, Australia. A guy who got me online, actually. Uh, David Wood, Aussie, good buddy of mine. And I took over his business, ended up sort of running that. And I used the money that I made there to invest in my first e-commerce business, which was really the thing where I started building a team, which was selling um, costumes and stuff. Elvis wigs and this and that. You know, I had all kinds of <laughs> Halloween offers. Was he Solution Box? He was Solution Box, yeah, man. Yeah, I was following his stuff when I started online a decade ago. He was very organized. So, so back in 2005, that was me. I was running all those launches, all those emails, all the webinars. Basically, I cut my teeth as a direct response marketer. You're kidding me. It, no, I'm not. So I was basically, I was learning stuff from your stuff online when I started. That is really funny. Yeah. And, and, and so we crazy. did, we did all these, basically it was phenomenal. We had essentially an information marketing business. We used one shopping cart as the back end, uh, to do all of our emailing and for our cart. And we used that in conjunction with PayPal. We sent all of our emails out of one shopping cart. And I remember when we first figured out how to like email the unopens, you know, and we were using GoToWebinar for the, to run our webinars. And we had essentially Dreamweaver HTML pages and yep. ebook downloads. And that was our business. That, and that's where I st I cut my teeth in that era. It was so damn hard to build a website from oh scratch back then. So let's talk infrastructure. We've got other infrastructures, right? We've we've talked about tech infrastructure, and you know we've, we're used to things like cloud and hardware and platforms. There's other infrastructures too. We've just sort of touched on accounting and and tax rates and government systems. Um, there's the home infrastructure, like how you have your relationships and your there's you know, the way that you set up your domestic tasks and things. And then there's your, your social infrastructure, how you interact with other people, uh, networking and friends. Yeah. And I kind of look at it like you're, you know, there's sort of the mission, the story and the purpose on the business side. It's like, what are you doing? What's the story of your business? What's the purpose of it? You know, like, do you have an agenda? Like, why are you trying to make money in the first place? And that leads into what you were talking about. Like, what do you want your life to look like? What do you want your relationships to look like? You know, are you doing like a lot of people make a lot of money, but not a lot of people are enjoying their lives. I would much rather make $50,000 a year and only work four hours 
a week and – or sorry, not four hours a week, four hours a day and live on a beach than make $400,000 a year but work 12 hours a day in an office. Like So I think that you've got to look at what do you actually want. And then I think one of the things that I really dug into over the last – you know, 18 months is something that you started talking about, which is routines. And I think any good infrastructure is built on a set of routines, accountability routines, strategy routines, operation routines, communication routines, tracking and testing routines, organization routines. And like, for example, operational routines might look like standard operating procedures, you know, everything categorized in Evernote, everything saved in Dropbox. Strategy routines might look like having goals and milestones for a monthly, quarterly, and yearly basis, having top level, you know, by, you know, trimesterly discussions discussions about the strategy and like accountability routines might be a task management system, having deadlines for your team and stuff like that. Communication routines might be slack, biweekly team meetings, you know, whatever. It does sound overwhelming. (laughs) I saw a quote that um, sort of slightly counter that. It was um, on the topic of infrastructure. Said Jesus of Nazareth was the most famous human being who ever lived on this planet, and he had no infrastructure, and it's never been done. He had no government, no PR guy, no money, no structure. He had nothing, yet he became the most famous. Well, our goal isn't fame. Exactly. Our goal is consistent operations. Look, just from my own observations of watching you change over the last few years, from when we were hanging out at the Gecko Lounge last time, you're putting in a bit of hours on the the advertising side of the business because it was in that hyper growth mode which it still is coincidentally but now you've really structured out your support team you've got roles within the business who who manage clusters of tasks relating to advertising you've even become an advertising educator for other e-commerce owners because you're so well leveraged with it Um, and, and i think one of the most important points here is if you're listening to us and it sounds like fairy dust just remember that we've both been through that process of DIY <laughs> through to DFU, uh, DFY. Done, done for you. Yeah, we've d- done it. We've done it ourselves first. We've learnt the main protocols and and things, and then we've very quickly uh, or slowly, in some cases, got someone else doing it for us. And uh, and you know, there's been stages in between, and we're probably still somewhere in that sliding scale for several aspects of our business for any any different aspect of the business good point you know i've only only recently been able to hand off some tasks that i've been doing for a decade that uh you know have taken me a while to to hand over but then there's other things i got rid of years ago and would never do again for sure and i think one thing to point out is like if if it seems overwhelming the scale of James's business or my business you know keep in mind we've been doing it a decade like James said and also that it starts with one if you can buy help from one person, you can double your output and all, so much can come from just one person's help. And what I've seen is that – and this is sort of a generalization. It's not true in every case, but it is a generalization that that applies in a lot of cases, which is that one person can build a six-figure business. Two people can build a seven-figure business and three people can build a multi-seven-figure business and three or more it seems you can get to, uh, actually, I think you need a lot more than three. But the point is that you can get a lot, you can get very far with just two or three helpers, you know? Well, you don't even have to classify it as just people. Our, our good friend Taki reminds people that you could have a one, one, one method. And I think he credits someone else where he learned it from. But you just need one uh, traffic source, one offer that converts, you know, and um, and you can build on that. So, 
we, we both started with one real thing that, that converted and we built that up um, probably mostly from one traffic source in the beginning. And then later totally. you can add another traffic source or another product uh, or another business unit. But I tell you what's really interesting where I'm at now in, in my phase of business cycle is I'm stripping away non-core business units and focusing back on the primary focus area and I'm going to go deeper and, and become world-class at that because it's going to give me the you know pure focus and I'm, I know what I'm really good at now after a decade and I know where, I, where my interests are. So we might start off small, we might get bigger and then, and it's not talked about often, there's a big shedding phase where we remove all the excess and cut away the the, and strip away the stuff that's not totally appropriate. And you can think about this in terms of your wardrobe or any other metaphor that suits. But we often go through that phase. We start out coming to the world with nothing. We get a little baby jumpsuit and some booties. Then over, you know, over time as a kid and an adult, we start accumulating. So certainly when we reach our end of growth phase, we start really accumulating clothes and stuff. And then one day we just, we read the, the, you know, the joy of tidying up or something and the, the magic of tidying up. And then we just uh, strip away everything, go back to, to the basics and we're much happier. So make sure we address the, the you know, do we have too much going on in our, in our supports and infrastructures? Could we simplify it, you know, make a more elegant support structure that makes life feel a little bit easier? And, you know, in a timeliness perspective, the, the first call I did today was with a high-level student who had too much on his plate. And it's like he's cruising the buffet and his plate was stacked six piles high. <laughs> I said, dude, just, just put it down. Go and get a fresh plate. And let's go cruise the buffet. Let's look at it first and then make some choices and then only put the, the minimum required things on the plate that are going to give us an enjoyable meal without getting indigestion. And he totally got it. Yeah, because the last thing you want is consistent overwhelm, right? Because again, it's about what do I want my life to look like? You know, it's not about how much money can I make? How much money can I make is a cool conversation and you want to have that. But a, a greater conversation is how can I have the most pleasurable life possible? And that includes making money, but it also includes not building a business that consumes you. But I also think uh, that people aren't really uh, driven to win. I think they're driven for approval more so. Well, I mean, yeah, if your agenda is to be told that you're cool and awesome, well, then, then you've got, then okay, that's fine. Then that's your agenda and that's what you're going for. Uh, but I think for a lot of people, I, I think the money thing is for some people to feel validated that, they, that they're successful in the eyes of society and that, that they've, they're, they've got approval. Um, so going, going a few layers deep as to your motivation as to why you're doing things is, um, is worthwhile. And, and there was something interesting you said before, Ezra, that I think is worth raising. Uh, about motivation, you said you can motivate. You got to motivate people. Uh, I think you've got to set it up so that people have easy ways to win, and they feel like they're doing something meaningful right. that matters. So that's um, to be really pedantic. I've learned through leadership and management for a number of years. I actually found it hard to, uh, you know, inverted commas, motivate someone. But what mm. I did find easy was to figure out what their motivation already was and then to remove the blockages and restrictors that were preventing them from feeling good about what they're doing. So uh, if, if I were to cast a magnifying glass on this, I'd say try and figure out what could possibly demotivate someone from their natural level of motivation. 
motivate means to move. So if something's stopping someone to move, then see if you can remove it. So in, in the workplace, often it'll be lack of clear understanding of what they're supposed to be doing, uh, no recognition, wrong reward for activity, doing work that's not fulfilling or interesting for them. If you can remove some of those barriers, you can actually free the path for someone to use their natural inbuilt motivation. That's beautiful. It's like a, one of those wind-up cars that sort of runs up against the wall. It's got all the energy in it and it's wound up, but it can't go anywhere. So it would have the appearance of not being motivated, but it's really just being stopped. Right, right. It's not being, you know, you're not creating a situation that's conducive to it moving. And I've worked with people who are like a matchbox car that has no motivation. There's no spring. There's no wind-up. There's nothing. And, you know, you can't steer a parked car. I could not put motivation in that person. I could not retro-install an engine into something that is just a, a lump of metal. Well, in, the, in that case, you've got to move on from that person. You've you got to move. You've got to trade that, uh, that car set, get a new one. So I think we've covered infrastructure. It's been a really fun conversation. And you know, one thing to remember is that it's one step at a time. It's showing up every day, enthusiastic with a positive attitude, ready to you know, take the next step that's in front of you and not getting discouraged by where you are and judging where you are in relationship to where other people are. It's just showing up. If you just show up consistently and you do the work, you will experience results. Right. So in, in terms of our show structure, what, which bits have we missed out on? We have... We, we, we missed out on calling for testimony. Uh, we've got, uh, we got quotes. We've got. Yeah, we didn't do any quotes. We didn't call for. Um, we didn't oh, read out any. Oh, by comments. the way, big news. Oh, we didn't um, do any news. No, no, I've killed off Speakpipe. Really? Yeah. Wow. Why? Yeah, I got an email from them, and it says it it doesn't work with something or other, or, or you know, some technology issue, and uh, the workaround was too prohibitive. So. Um, we don't really have a feature anymore where people can leave you. Unless you email james at superfastbusiness.com. Yeah, just email me an audio. An audio file. Uh, that'd be great. So, listener, you know, we love doing this show. We love that you listen to the show. So, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you on the blog uh, by emailing james at superfastbusiness.com with a voice quote. Ironically, we didn't have any infrastructure for this show. No, none at all. Uh, <laughs> zero. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, we should say hi to Carol. It's not a show. You know, it's not a show if we don't shout out to Carol. We didn't do a willpower wager. We did nothing. No willpower. What's it? Well, let's do a willpower wager. It's not hard to do a willpower wager. All right, I'll let you do it. Weekly willpower wager. Okay, this uh, this this week's willpower wager. I like how we say week. We're a 60-second episode after several years. <laughs> uh, but who's counting? This week's willpower wager is to review your current infrastructure and to see if you've if you've got too much going on and see what you can take away. Do it. Strip away. Yeah, and let us know in the comments to say what, what did you remove, what did you change to simplify. Did you get a support person or a support desk or something? Did you get a scheduling tool to, to get people away from your inbox doing the old? Did you make a new hire? Yeah, did you hire? Did you buy help? You like that? Did you buy some help? So James from his deck Looking over Manly Beach in New South Wales, Sydney, Australia. Ezra Firestone from the Gecko Lounge on the North Shore of Oahu, Hawaii. This has been another episode of Think, Act, Get. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. And every episode is directed towards you, our listener. So we appreciate you listening in and we'll see you on the next episode. 
This has been another episode of Think, Act, Get with James Schramko and Ezra Firestone. For more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster, visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter. It's free. 